Our text this morning is the, uh, the gospel reading in Matthew 14. That, as I said, the feeding of the 5,000 sits before you there. <clears throat> I would like to uh, review with you verse 16. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, you know, sometimes you just can't do stuff by yourself as much as you need to, even if God, like this, commands you. It's too hard, and, and you struggle with it. Uh, it made me remember uh, when I was still in the Coast Guard chasing drug smugglers, which was probably more traumatic for me than the drug smugglers, but uh, there was a, a boat that I came across one day uh, and I was on a Navy ship at the time with a team, and, and they wouldn't stop. We'd call them on the radio, and they wouldn't stop, so we could go aboard them and take, I mean, they had, in the end, 20-something tons of marijuana on board. But I couldn't get them to stop. So, I, so what happens is, you know, I happen to be on a, uh, a Navy nuclear missile cruiser. I mean, you know, that's... There's some ability there, you know, USS Mississippi. And they wouldn't stop, and I couldn't get them to stop, so I spoke to the captain of the ship, and I asked him to help out, you know, and, and they have eight-inch cannons on there, which they didn't shoot, but they pointed, which is, you know, that should be unnerving, but it didn't stop them. And then they have these beautiful missiles that they put up in their missile racks when they're import, they're duds, you know, but they're beautiful. They're, they're uh, kind of a, an enamel blue paint with gold striping on it. They look terribly savage, but they don't do anything. But I asked them to put those up in the racks and point them down there. I thought that will do it, and it didn't do it. They didn't stop. I had all the authority I needed to there to get them to stop, but they just wouldn't do it. So as it turns out, we were in escort to the USS Nimitz, which is an aircraft carrier. And they had, like they always do, they have uh, uh, an overhead patrol of a couple of warplanes. So I called up the, the group commander of the air wing and said, you know, you think you could get them to come over and scare these guys a little? So. So they send these two F-14s, which are actually really large for warplanes, and they flew over the head of this boat, which was about, I would say, about an 80-foot boat. Uh, and they flew over their head at maybe 100 feet at 500 knots or so after burners and the whole bit. It shook them up a little bit, and they finally stopped, which was good because that helped me do my job. But see, the, the point I'm trying to make is I couldn't, I couldn't get them to stop. I didn't have what I needed to do it. But I had friends. I had help. And with help, I could get that done, as impossible as it looked. Now, this story of the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, you've heard this before. It's important. As I said, it's the only significant story, aside from the crucifixion that's in all of the Gospels. Uh, Jesus is busy trying to be alone. 
he gets in a boat and he goes as far away from people as he can to a place that, he, that they, uh, Matthew calls desolate. Uh, the word that's there is wilderness or desert. I mean, not desert in the, the sense that we think of it, but just a place where there's no people. That's where he goes because he's upset that John the Baptist has been murdered, who was a relative of his, and he knew him, and he was upset about it. And he wants to go and pray. So he goes far away, and then, well, of course, when he gets there, all tired and sad, there's a crowd of people there because <laughs> they knew what he was up to, and they followed him on land to wherever he was going. So he gets there, and he gets off his boat, and there are before him 5,000 men, is what it says, and their women and children. So, you know, you're talking, I would say, at least seven, eight thousand people there waiting for him this seems like a significant number to me i don't think we could get him in here might be fun to try though <laughs> uh, and then he's, he's there it says he's got compassion on them because he sees they followed him they want him he heals their sick uh, it doesn't say it here but i i know from other versions of this that he spent some time teaching them then evening sneaks up on him, and they're not close to anything. Uh, so his disciples, the twelve, they come to him and say, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta send them packing because they gotta go eat, and they're here, and this place doesn't have anything. And uh, if they go home or they go to a village or whatever, they can find something to eat." Can you imagine being a little village and have seven or eight thousand people fall on you looking for something to eat? I mean, that would be difficult. So Jesus says, no, we're not doing that. You feed them. <laughs> okay, so now you being one of the 12 is, uh, have the command of the son of the living God, the Christ, to feed seven or eight or 9,000 people. And, you know, it's, it's sort of an obvious thing that they're all poor, or at least they haven't brought anything with them. And they, they say, what well, we can't <laughs> do that. We only have all of us together, five loaves of bread and two fish. Can imagine how upset they would be? I mean, this is their teacher, their Lord. And he says, you feed them. Impossible. Uh, but this is Christ's flock. This is his children. It's his people. Uh, and, and like this, they're stuck, and there's no place to go to hide from it. That doesn't look real good for them. That's sort of the setup. Now, as hard as it must have been, knowing that what God wanted was impossible, <laughs> I mean, that's tough. You may have felt that on occasion. Uh, it's worse when it looks kind of possible because you know as it happens as you walk around in your life here you don't have Jesus coming up to you and say go uh, feed a popka for a couple hours I mean he doesn't do that to you but the stuff that he does have you doing uh, considering your circumstances and your families and your supplies and your talents and whatever he what he's asking for in your service is still difficult but possible for you 
And you all have purpose in the world for that set of resources and those talents that have been laid in your hands. Your circumstances dictate certain things. So you have <clears throat> responsibilities of several different kinds, typically. You have to do your job if you have one. But you're supposed to do it for God's purposes and not necessarily your own, which means you're looking after people. You're serving them in the way that they need according to your abilities. Uh, you can make a living on that, which is good, but you're supposed to be looking after them for God. That's what your job is. And then you have to look after your families and in various modes because you're fathers and mothers and grandparents and cousins and parents and children and uh, you know all of that applies to all of you one way or another kind of you all have families one kind or another and you're all there for God's purposes whatever those responsibilities are and you know you live in this place in this community and so he uh, has laid in front of you responsibilities as a citizen to your country, to your community. So you're supposed to have good citizenship for that, for God's purposes, not for your own, although it may serve you as well, it may serve the other people around you. That's for God's purposes too. Everything that you do in this world, according to your resources and your talents and your desires and your abilities, according to your circumstances, it's all for God. Because he takes care of people that way. So that's easy, right? Probably not so much. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing if you look at it and you're just doing what you're supposed to. And if you do it without thinking about what God's desire is for you to be there, then it probably looks much more manageable. But you, as it turns out, have responsibilities. You know who God is, and you're unfortunately a sinner in every way. So with God involved in all of that, now it looks a whole bunch more important. It looks a whole bunch more difficult because there's sacrifice and service and humility involved. Uh, now it looks like maybe you might be able to do the thing that's in front of you, but you may not be able to do it God's way or to serve his purpose. And then it starts to be a problem. Uh, and then it gets to be all way too big for you. It's much easier just to go through life and not worry about what God's thinking you should be doing. Now, I, having said that, you might have a little better understanding of what it is that these 12 guys are trying to figure out with these people to serve their Lord's purposes in it. Jesus knew it was impossible for them to do what he asked by their own power. They couldn't have done it. They didn't have what they needed. Uh, but he asked them to do it. In fact, he told them to do it. He didn't ask them anything. I mean, God's like that that way sometimes. But he, he told them to do it anyway, knowing that they couldn't do it by their own power. But see, he was right there. He's standing right there. 
Uh, and, and that makes all the difference. He was there with his divine compassion, as it says. He exhibited that by looking after these folks. He uh, had, as it turns out, brought his divine power with him. You can see that by the way he managed this meal. He comes with divine purpose because it's so much bigger than just what everybody sees going on here. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to point that for you, uh, point it out for you. But, but see, he cares about these people in his compassion. He cares about them. And not just the people that are there listening to him and being healed by him, but the, also the 12 who he's going to send out one of these days to go be apostles in the world looking after people and they need to know how to do that and they need to know that they can do that and so he has this circumstance including the 12 and all these people and even still as much as we can sit here you know with the 2020 hindsight we can still pay attention to the fact that his purpose is bigger than what any of them could see now, I know this because there's numbers everywhere. And, you know, in Scripture, numbers are symbols for stuff. Uh, and if you pay attention to the, to the numbers, you can see that this is quite a bit more important than just what they saw in that moment. So you start with five loaves of bread. Now, five is an important number in the Bible. It's the books of Moses. It's the... The, the covenant with God, it's a, uh, it's a part of his word and wisdom to you and to them for you. And, and, and his word has a lot to do with what's going on here because he's the one that's going to pray and he's the one that's going to break the bread and he's the one that's going to make it more than it is. It's very much like what he does here. Very much like what he's going to do to himself on the cross. And then there's the two fish. Two is a little bit sneakier of a number in the Bible, but it talks about the two witnesses. It shows up in the book of Revelation. It shows up everywhere, really. Uh, it, Jesus says that his witnesses are the apostles and the prophets. They're the ones that write a whole rest of scripture. All of that authority that's there, that's the word of the Lord, that's the wisdom of God that's laid in your path, and it's for them, but it's also for you. And if you add that five and the two, you get seven, which is just, uh, you know, should bring you to thinking about creation, which means that God is at work here. His power and his purpose has been laid in, in place here for you. So, you know, uh, if, if God's power is at work and God's word is at work and the promises are at work and the covenants are at work and all of that's happening here, how could it go wrong? As impossible as it looks, how could it not happen? Uh, Jesus wants it to happen. It's his word and his power that is in play here. So even though the 12 can't do it, God certainly can. What they uh, miss is... Uh, that they can actually do this because God is with them. It's not a lot different than what you experience in your everyday life. He's with you all the time. Jesus said he'd be with you to the end of the age. He's not kidding. The Holy Spirit lives in there. The Father loves you and has saved you and has sent you on his, uh, his journey with purpose in your circumstances. And he's always there. 
And there's nothing that you can't do if he's helping you. Even if it does look hard. Even if it looks impossible. Because nothing is impossible for God. So how can they miss on this impossible thing? Well, they can't. And in fact, they don't. They can do it. And you can do it. It's obvious enough with God's word and power. If you look carefully at what's happening here, you notice that he is supplying his people. Uh, At the moment, they need healing, which he did, and they need food. And he tells the disciples to do it, and they can't. So he says, bring me the food that you have, and he breaks it and blesses it, and, and then there's enough. Somehow, miraculously, that's what happens. But he doesn't say, okay, you people, come on up here and get it. He gives it into the hands of his disciples, and, and they actually fed them. So, I mean, it looked impossible, but by the word and power of Jesus Christ, who is there for them in that moment, for their specific purpose, and by his command, they actually did the impossible. Which is rather amazing. And the food didn't just fall out of the sky, which I guess he could have done that too. But he didn't do that. He put it in their hands. It's not different than what happens to you in your everyday life. He puts it in your hands. He gives you resources. He gives you talents. He gives you desires. He gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you circumstances. And he sends you on your way fully entrusted with his things to serve his purpose. That might look like all kinds of things. It's not the same from one day to the next. It's one day you're acting like a son and the next day you're acting like a mom and and, and you don't know what it's going to be until it shows up. Uh, But you have everything you need by the word and power of the Lord that walked with you. He gave it. He prepared it. He entrusted it to his essentially powerless servants, which is what you are and what they were, and, and, uh, and we're afraid and we are hesitant, uh, but they did it. They did it. They did it, same as you do, with God. Christ is the Savior, and he does crazy weird stuff that makes it work. Uh, if you think about it even a little bit, the way he saved you, the way he caused your forgiveness is by dying on a cross in weakness. Which doesn't look like it would accomplish anything except dying, except it did. Imagine the power involved in the forgiveness at that level from the beginning of time to the end. Every single person of his, he did it in his weakness. He grants faith with of all the weird things, water and word, when baptism happens, he grants faith and the Holy Spirit. He gives grace and encouragement by, of all things, bread and wine sits on your altar here. All for you. To supply what you need, to encourage you for what you need, to send you on your way with what you need so that you can do what he intends. That is the way it works. That is the gift that he's given you. That's a whole bunch of gifts that he's given you. And you cannot, cannot, cannot fail with God. There's one more number there. That's a 12. I mean, you know, uh, uh, if you go out to the book of Revelation again, 
you see that there are 12 elders, which are the patriarchs of, of the old days, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the people of God of the Old Testament. And then there's the 12 apostles. They're there too. Uh, they are the, the 12 representing the people of God in the New Testament, and they're all there in heaven. So 12 is the number that represents the people of God, all the people of God. And you have that here twice. You have because there's that many disciples there that have been given this task. So they, they're responsible for that. Uh, and they, they fed the 5,000 with next to nothing because Jesus helped them to do that. And the leftovers are 12 basketfuls, which is for the, it's overflow. Not, not, Jesus didn't just look after them there through these guys, but he looks after all of the people of God about everything that they'll ever need through all of time from beginning to end, always has, always will, and you can see that there. It's always enough for all of his people, for all of their needs, whatever they happen to be, forever. Now, these guys, they couldn't do it by themselves, and you can't either. I, mean, I think you're well enough aware that it looks hard to serve God. Uh, to do what he asks is hard, impossible really, but you are not by yourself. You have the cross, which forgives everything that you do wrong, every shortcoming, every weakness, every foolishness, it's all forgiven. You have the empty tomb where Christ has risen from the dead, so death cannot scare you anymore unless you just say, I'm scared of death. It shouldn't be a scary thing anymore because he'll raise you up. You have the Holy Spirit living in you in every moment of every day, even when you're sleeping. I don't know if I like that idea, but it's there anyway. <laughs> uh, you have everything that you need all the way to the end, all the way. You cannot fall short. This is for all of his people, all of his people forever. They couldn't do it. You can't do it by yourself, but you are not by yourself. You are with God. God is with you. The Spirit is in you, and the Son is with you, and this will go until the end. You cannot fail. You cannot fail with God. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.